It's Megacon, the largest comic book, anime, gaming, and multimedia event in the southeastern U.S. returns. Megacon from March 21st through the 23rd, 2014 at the Orange County Convention Center in Magical Orlando, Florida. Confirmed comic book guests include Frank Bruner, Neil Adams, Bill Sinkevic, Mark Wade, Ron Mars, Greg Land, Michael Golden, Dennis Calero, George Perez, Brandon Peterson, Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti, Collie Hamner, Carl Story, Renee Winterstater, Billy Tucci, and Brian Polito. Just added Nick Bradshaw, Adam Kubert, Dan Jurgens, Mike Miller, Kevin Eastman, Joshua Ortega, Digger, Bart Sears, Ethan Van Skyver, Mike McCone, Frank Thierry, Mike Mayhew, and Chuck Dixon. Confirmed media guests include stars from AMC's The Walking Dead, Torchwood, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Smallville, Battlestar Galactica, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many, many, many more. Plus I, Scott Gardner, will be there representing the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Tickets are available online now at www.megaconvention.com. Children 10 and under are free with paid adult ticket. That's Megacon 2014 at the Orange County Convention Center, Magical Orlando, Florida, March 21st through the 23rd. For information, contact info at megaconvention.com or visit www. Megaconvention.com. That's Megacon 2014. Be there. And now it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Let's get this show on the road, gang. These freaks are dedicated, hard-working people. I'm Batman. Whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of thought. This looks like a job for Superman. Let's roll! Let's hear it for Captain America! It's the Dying Man! It's the Rocketeer! Gentlemen, you're up. Hello and welcome to Comics Monthly Monday, number 60. And it's, uh, I don't know if I, I want to officially name it, but it may be guest host month here on, uh, on, on Two True Freaks. Because as you remember from Star Trek Monthly Monday, Scott Gardner's computer is fried. And he's in the process of, we're trying to figure out how to get him a new computer. Maybe we'll be begging you guys maybe hopefully maybe by the time you hear this we'll have a new computer but we'll see but you know as 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 usual we usually have three hosts for this show and uh the third being michael bailey but a freak storm has hit georgia and now michael bailey is without power 
hunkered down in his in his man cave, wrapped up in his dog with his dog and his wife and all his action figures piled on top of him for for to save heat. <laughs> so, as you hear that 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 chuckle there, we've we've uh, wrangled Paul Spataro at the last second. Well, you know, I mean, you guys had me subbing for what? What did I sub about six months or so? Yeah. That I was stepping in, and I really, really love doing Comics Monthly Monday. So uh, I, I, I like the three-man dynamic, so I, I haven't tried to force my way in to make it a four-man show on a regular basis. But I'm always happy to step in anytime you, uh, anytime you give me a call. Well, the funny thing about this is, uh, is the Freaky Five this month was one that Michael Bailey came up with. So is, so is the Get Chris to Read a Goddamn Superhero comic were both ones that Michael Bailey was, came up with to, to answer. And Scott Gardner, I know, is very excited. He already had his number one ready for, for the Freaky Five this month. And now both of them are going to miss it, and we get to, we get to have all, all the fun, have our merry way with those two topics. Yeah. You know, we'll get to the Freaky Five, I guess, in a little while, but... Uh... You know, as as usual, when I'm on the show, my math on the Freaky Five is bad. Uh, oh yeah, it's it's, okay. it's another one that you you know you gave me the idea, and I was and I actually said that I sat there and I said, I you know I couldn't think of anything to put in there, but then once I started thinking of stuff, the ideas came to me too fast, so I have eight eight things on my Freaky Five. I was stalled on I was stalled on four for the longest time, and then number five just at the last minute it was just like oh yes of course how could i have forgotten that <laughs> so i just barely scraped in my my five this month but yeah we'll get to that that later uh you got anything uh new and interesting happening in the uh, comic book front uh you know i'm not i haven't been doing too much with new comics lately but i just heard recently an interview with uh, dan slot who who writes spider-man uh-huh. And I found it really interesting because we, we talked quite a while ago on, on this show about his run on Spider-Man and how much I was enjoying it despite the uh, popular criticism it was getting uh, you know, with, with Doc Ock taking over Spider-Man's mind, basically his mind taking over Spider-Man's body and the outrage over it and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and even then, if you recall, when we, when we were talking about it, I, I said... You know, people are acting as if this is a permanent change that's never yeah. going to go back to the way it was, and we all know eventually it's going to go back. And and people were so outraged over it. And then uh, Dan Slott was saying, you know, now that they've announced with the new movie coming out, they're going to have a new number one of Amazing Spider-Man, and it's obvious Peter Parker's coming back. And uh, and, and all of a sudden the uh, fan fan mail he's getting now instead of being them outraged over him making changes oh this is so obvious i saw this coming from a while mm-hmm. away oh yeah yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's just you know <laughs> i guess you, you know you just can't win in this business i guess if you're a writer it's, no matter what it's funny i just was watching a whole series of these short clips that harlan ellison did for the sci-fi channel of him bitching and griping about things and one of well, them, that's all Colin Elson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, the last one is 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 just as I predicted. Is him talking about why he's doing it for the last time because he's got to part ways with the Sci-Fi Channel because of their disagreement, you know. <laughs> so, mm. so, but he did one. It was it was around the time of the death of Superman, and he just it was a great it was a great little five minute where he whipped out the comic and he's like, oh well, here's you know this comic's a dollar twenty five. You can buy it in a plastic bag for two fifty. And you know, here's the story, and 
you know, they were going to do this, but then they did this, and he's just like, and, you know, the outrage that they killed Superman, and he's like, what are you people thinking? This is their number one moneymaker. How, you know, and, and then he starts whipping out all his old Superman issues and going, here's one where he died, here's one where he died, here's one where he died. He's like, he's like, you've got to understand, it's just not going to stay that way. It's, it's, it's going to go this way for a little while. And and you know when when they I I would have started believing Doc Ock is going to be Peter Parker or, or Spider Man forever when they start making movies <laughs> where that's the status quo. But they're not gonna. It's going to be yeah. Peter Parker as Spider Man because that is how everybody knows him. Even even if they do it to the point where you say it's clear that they don't want to go back, eventually they go back anyway. Sure. I mean, if you think about it, you know, when they killed off Barry Allen, what was that, around 1978, 79? No, excuse me, it was was in crisis, so it was 85. Uh, And and clearly they wanted it to be permanent. You know, Wally took over as as the Flash, and and it took until recently when they brought the Flash back in 2008. So, I mean, it was a 23-year run. Clearly, they didn't plan on going back, but eventually they do. It's just mm-hmm. the way of the world, you know. Look how long it took them to bring Bucky back, but they brought him back. It just happens, you know. It's it's a given, you know. These these are these are characters. It might not be until your they, kids are in college, but <laughs> yeah, it might not be. I mean, if if it had turned out that the Doc Ock Spider Man turned out to be incredibly popular and the sales, you know, were going through the roof, and they decided, hey, we're going to just keep it this way because everybody loves it. You still know sooner or later Peter Parker was going to come back. Well, from it, it's what I've gathered on it with with Dan Slott, and I have very little experience reading anything that Dan Slott's written. I remember reading a couple comics that Scott's sons had that were written by him that I thought were pretty good, that were aimed towards kids. Mm-hmm. But I think his problem is he doesn't deal with criticism well. Oh, he clearly doesn't. He takes and it to heart. He takes it to heart, and then he goes on the internet and sort of shows his ass, and that just leaves you open for being savaged, you know, and have it, you know, just people are going to pile on you. And yeah, well, uh, he he either gets very very defensive, mm-hmm. or he gets outright, you know, uh, antagonistic towards yeah. the people who are criticizing him. So it's, it's hard to other. feel bad for him. <laughs> Yes, it is. But, you know, I mean, I think he's done a hell of a job with the series. I've really enjoyed it. I'm not quite up to date on it, I have to admit. I'm a couple of months behind. But what I've read of it, it's all been really good. So, you know, I'll tip my hat to him for for writing a quality story and and keeping it going. I mean, what are we up to? I think uh, 27 issues of The Superior Spider-Man. That's a nice run. Of you know of Doc Ock as the character, you know you would have thought it was going to go five six months and be over. Yeah, yeah. it's a, more than a couple of years. Well, it, it's but they've published them more frequently, so I think it is. I think it's been about a year and a half, two years. I know so little about. Is that the only? How many Spider Spider Man titles are there now? Is that the only one? That's well. There's there's actually the Superior Spider Man, the Superior Spider Man team up. There's the fo- the deadly foes of the superior spider or superior foes or whatever the heck they call so it. So are those all Doc Ock Spider Man? 
And when when he appears in it, yeah, the the foes one I don't think he appears in very much, but the, okay. the team up one he does. Uh, and and you know it, huh. it's it's been fun. It's like I said, you know, it, I, I uh, you know very early on, he's sitting there with Mary Jane and she's talking and he's like, you know, keep quiet, woman. And it's like you know you know Peter Parker would never talk like that. And it's just fun to see like people's reaction to it and all. It must be interesting for them to actually maintain their relationship. I mean, to, is, she, is she like questioning whether he's going insane or anything like that? Or at, at points, yeah, and <laughs> and it's like little by little he's gone from you know he's still fighting for the good, I guess, but he's gone his meth his methodology has gone from Spider Man to Doc Ock. So now, as Spider Man. You know, he's got he's got these arms that he can use that come out of the back of his costume. He's got henchmen. <laughs> you know, he's he's turned into basically Doc Ock. And now the interesting thing is going to be when Peter Parker eventually comes back, he's going to have to deal with all the fallout, right, from everything that Doc Ock has and done. That gives you two years of stories right there, easily. And there's one character who's going to be real interesting. And there's this one I, I forgot what her name is, but she's a. Uh, uh, a, a character that he met he he went back to school to finish his master's degree or his phd mm-hmm. and uh there's there's somebody who was actually like tutoring him who he did not know as peter parker he only knows as doc ock spider-man and she's basically kind of fallen in love with him so now when peter parker comes in he's not going to even know who this woman is and yet she's going to be in love with him and it's going to be you know kind of that's going to be a kind of an interesting storyline right there Plus all the bridges he's burned. I mean, the Avengers have put him on uh, probation because of his, you know, his methodology and everything. He was blackmailing J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, interesting. May, you know, and maybe he'll, you know, I don't know. I'd come back. I'd be Peter, Pench- Peter Parker. I'd be sort of like, hey, you know, I, maybe I want to keep the henchman. <laughs> that sounds like it. And the arms, man. That makes it even more spider-like. Yeah, exactly. Having multiple web shooters would be really awesome. They had one one scene that I really enjoyed. He did like a siege on uh, the Kingpin's stronghold, and Kingpin basically saw the writing on the wall that he wasn't going to be able to successfully uh, defend it. So he goes down to the basement. He's got a guy who's been genetically altered uh, so that his DNA matches him, and it's, it's another big fat bald guy. And uh, he comes downstairs and he's talking to the guy sitting there playing video games. He's like, how you doing? You comfortable? Everything's good? And he comes up behind the guy and he snaps his neck. And, and then he leaves so that this way when, they, when the police come in, they think the kingpin is there and he was killed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's his, it's his way of escaping and, and not being uh, followed. Um, note to self, find out how to genetically alter people. <laughs> <laughs> well, after you get your radio empire going. Exactly. Oh jeez, get me worked up. <laughs> but that's you know lately that's that's it. I don't have any real big comics going ons to to talk about, and uh, you know, like you said, it was a little last minute for me. So that's that's all I got for you today. Sorry. Yeah, I don't. Well, before I even get to any of my my light comic stuff, I've got four new members to the Two True Freaks Facebook page. Um. I've been sort of like when I, I've noticed you got to watch out sometimes when people come in because some people are just there to like advertise something. Mm-hmm. So just warning any of those people. 
because sometimes those people are legitimate nerds and might even listen to the podcast. But I'm just saying this. If you're going to join the Two True Freaks podcast and you got something to promote, I have no problem with you coming and saying, hey, I'm so-and-so. I do this podcast or made these fan movies or whatever. But introduce yourself first <laughs> before yeah. you start promoting whatever you do, you know, or you're going to get the boot. And then do us all a favor. If, if you are, are joining the page because you like what we're putting out, uh, go onto iTunes and review us. Give us, yes. give us some some rate, you know, some reviews because that's how that's how new people find us. Oh my God, I'm so glad you said that because I've been I it slips my mind every podcast, but that's something that yeah I should should be ra- ramming home. Even a good bad review, whatever. <laughs> no, 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 good review. Yeah, give us a good review. <laughs> if you if it's a bad review, don't listen and you know no hard feelings and just. I'll tell you what, away. I'll take a bad review over no review, because even a bad review somebody's going to read it and go, oh, yeah, that guy doesn't like it, but it sounds like something I like. Or they're going to say, oh, that guy sounds like a real dick. I'm going to listen to it just to spite him. I'm hoping they're not thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm saying the guy who did the bad review. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. They could think that, though. There, uh, yeah, someday someday I got to find the, uh, the old reviewer, somebody who just hated me. <laughs> Made the whole review. Basically, wrote a whole a good review of Two True Freaks, except for me. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> uh, oh, anyway, I'm, I'm I'm too sensitive. I put my head in the you know in the ground and and get all upset about it. So just give me good reviews. Do say what you want for Chris because he can obviously take it. I like it. Yeah, S- send the lightning my way. I'll be the lightning rod. All right. So anyway, we got four 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 new members. And all of them, um, actually, one of our new members is Michael Bailey. <laughs> uh, I think I might, I might know him. Yep. But uh, I, I don't really count him, even though I just said him and he's, he should have been here. And he's not here hunkering down in his bunker. All right. So we've got a uh, oh, great first name, Chevy Daniels. Oh, man. I'd, lo- I, I'd love to have a first name, Chevy. Or even Pontiac. Um, Justin Kaufman is another one. Um, oh, somebody else from from podcasting world. Um, Emily June Middleton. Ah, yeah, we all know Emily. We we all we all know her. Finally, in the fold. And uh, here's another bold sounding name: Cooper Bolduck Autry with a classic country last name cowboy last name uh, so all you guys welcome to the I don't I don't know if I've seen any of you post yet but uh, yeah, I'm not saying you have to but if you feel like it come on in and put up a post and say who you are and how you found your way into two true freaks and, and everybody will give you a hearty howdy we do try to, uh, to, to to keep it to keep it cordial Yes. That's all I'd ask. You know, it's, it's, you know, every once in a while, you get somebody who comes in and uh, and and gets a little overly aggressive. You know, it's better if you keep it cordial. Uh, just, uh, I'm just looking. I see Scott uh, sent a message. Uh, want me to call in on my ride home? Oh, well, so that would be fun. Tell him sure. If we're still going, 
What time is he? Uh, does he work till? Do you know? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, Scott. Scott has no computer, but he does have an iPod, and we were testing it the other day. And there's, te- you know, you can we can have him call in through his. I'm thinking he's calling in from his car. Um, but yeah, if he may, if if he calls in, we can just blast him into whatever we're doing, and and uh, at, at that point in the show. <laughs> well, yeah, you said you said he had a freaky five that he was excited about. So yes, yes. So maybe he might be there. able to get. I know he knew his number one right off the top of his head. So there you go, folks. Maybe we'll even get a call in from uh, from Scott Gardner sometime during the show. It's ten forty three now. They can't have him working too much later, right? <laughs> I don't know. You know what? It, it, I mean, when you when you're working at a hotel, I don't know if he's teaching That's true. or if he's working at the hotel. But the hotel has got to have people on staff twenty four seven. Yeah. So. Well, I hope I hope he's not expecting us to still be recording it at four a.m. <laughs> or whenever the night shift gets out. Yeah, I don't know. Sadly no mistaken. idea. So there you go, folks. There's a reason to listen to the rest of the show. <laughs> or hang up now before he gets on. <laughs> or get, or GTFO. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure Scott will appreciate that sentiment. <laughs> I've been I've been uh I just got some comics in the mail and um hopefully someday soon uh, a lot Four years ago, three and a half years ago, a long time ago, in the early days of Two True Freaks, Scott and I attempted to, and we had a whole bunch of other people, and God, I can't remember exactly who, who, um, I know Will Sanchez was involved in it, and was awake throughout all that we did, and we actually recorded one show that was full of, like, bad Skype garble of these comics which are a favorite of scott and mine which are the phantom zone those are good by uh gene colon and um steve Steve gerber Gerber, isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah and uh i just two of two of my favorites both gerber and colon uh we were scott and i were talking about something we were talking about it or something and it just made me think I gotta go on eBay and look for it. And I found all four of them for I think it was like five eighty-five or something and free shipping. So under six dollars for all four of them I had to get it. And so those came in the mail a couple days ago. And I think I got like maybe ten pages on number four to read and I'll be all done with it. It's beautiful. So mm-hmm. Scott and I were talking the other day when I told him I'd ordered them. Um, so hopefully sometime soon, maybe we can get together another group and, and, and reboot it and do a, um, Phantom Zone show because man, I love that comic. It's a mutant. And and it's just such a strange team for a Superman book. It's a very Marvel team and it's, and it's the Howard the Duck team and it has that sort of cosmic interdimensional Howard the Duckedness to it without the humor. It has a little, there, you know, he gets to poke his satire in. Um, uh, some of there. Gerber's stuff, you know, most of it did have that satirical edge to it, but some of it was just edgy without the humor. Yeah, and that's what that's what this one is. And, and I'd read it three years ago actually i think i'd only read the first two comics and uh for it because i was reading them off cbrs and just not as fun as reading the actual comics you know unless you have a tablet or of some sort 
or a reader of some sort. So, you know, I was reading them along with the shows, and we just never finished it for some reason. And would you do the first two? I think we did the first. I think we were doing a show for each comic. I don't know now. Now I'm thinking it would almost be a nice like two or two, two and a half, three hour show where we just do the whole story. You know. You know what? What I like that format wise for something like that. I like what we did with the Wolverine miniseries, where you do four synopsises back to back to back to back, and then you discuss. And then you them. discuss the whole thing, the whole shebang. Unless it's something that you feel is so so dense that you have to do it one issue at a time. Yeah. But if it's if it's an overall story that you can kind of put it together, I I, I kind of like that format where you just synopsize the whole thing that way. I was I was just very excited to get it for so cheap because it seems like stuff with Gene Colan's art in it is uh, is in big demand. Maybe it's just the the um, Dracula stuff. Because uh, I was toying with the idea of buying some of the old Tomb of Draculas, and then I started. That's, you can't go wrong with that. I love, love them. I've got like this. I maybe it's the essential, you know, the collected black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his art in particular looks real good in black and white. Beautiful in black and white. But I still, I love the comics because I loved them as a kid too, and but man, they are expensive. Well, yeah, Tomb of Dracula in particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very popular. I, I like his, I mean, and it's also it would be expensive. I like his real early Iron Man stuff uh, on Tales of Suspense. And you can see, if you look at it, I think he was working under an assumed name in the beginning. Uh, and then he went under his real name. But you can see he went, like, from the old-style comic booky mm-hmm. house style sir? to his own very very you know distinct style of of his own in like two months and it was probably you know somebody finally just cut the chains off and said go ahead do it the way you want to do it yeah 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 i love and 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 once once he hit his own style i mean he he went right into it like i said it only took about two months to really be exactly the same style that you're used to now do you know did he ever get to do any kind of run on batman of any kind that would have been spectacular. I am not aware of any significant run. I'm not sure. I, I would imagine he did some, you know, something at some point here and but there. I mean, he gets to draw Batman in in Phantom Zone. But I'm thinking, you would, you what a think match that would be. Yeah, much much more of a natural match than Superman. Mm-hmm. Although, for the kind of story that Phantom Zone is, it, it's it ends up being a pretty good match. But that's because yeah. it's a very it's a very you know, Superman is in the Phantom Zone for most of the story and is a, like ethereal <laughs> for the most part. It it definitely his style would not be one that you'd automatically think of for uh, Superman though. No, 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 and yeah, I imagine that's why. And this is a very unusual story, so it was a very Marvely type of. Th- type of thing for DC. Maybe that's why I liked it so much when I was a kid. But then again, I was a big Superman 2 fan, so... You know, and this one Mm -hmm. had extra Phantom Zone. But I I shouldn't talk about this because I'm ruining... If you want to do a a show out of it, you you want to save some of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, What I've been reading... Man, the, the comics that Kelly Logue sent me 
is just a gift that keeps on giving because I just I don't have time to to do stuff except podcast editing where I sit down and I can like put a lot of time to it. So I've been doing everything, you know, like eBay and going organizing my comics and my stuff, just little bits and pieces at a time. So I have mm-hmm. these, you know, gigantic boxes of comics as these center and I'm not just like sort of slowly going through all of them. And I found this whole run of that they're called Tales Too Terrible to Tell. And that you could tell they were a small run independent magazine type of comic printed by somebody who is he's just a huge collector i don't i don't have him right near me to get the guy's name but he's obviously a huge collector of uh pre-code horror comics and this one's reprinted and this particular title is is just for reprinting pre-code horror stories that weren't ec that were the uh, ec's competitors like atlas i think was one of them Mm. and charlton even to some extent and a whole bunch of other uh i think national was another name of and you know most of did this guy acquire these or did he is this some of them violation that he no no i think pretty much everything that he uh, he he's printed has gone into the public domain by now or he's uh, a, a lot of it he's actually purchased the original art from them he's tracked down and found the original art and you can tell you can see some of them are much nicer nicer reproductions and some some are obviously reproductions from the comics and it's a black and white magazine and the comics were originally color so you can tell when he's got the original art it doesn't have any of the muddy muddiness of a comic that's been color and turned into black and white so you know those those ones are always more detailed and uh it's a hit and miss it's hit and miss for sure there's well, it's, a, all of those stories yeah. are kind of like that but usually they're short like around 10 page stories yeah they're too. all they're all short and uh they're all um just the 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 whole storytelling style of that time period was a little different and they were smaller titles so a lot of the writing wasn't quite as good he does he the most interesting thing about it is sort of the the um stuff that isn't the the actual comics he has in the middle of it he has a long section where he'll take one one of the publishing companies and give you a little history of them and he'll talk about his collecting, but he'll he'll print a lot of covers too from his collection and sort of give a little commentary on each cover. And I find that stuff more fascinating than a lot of the the comics. He's even had a few comics that obviously he's had somebody make new ones to put in there as sort of tribute to the to the old stories, and they're just not up to snuff. All the, mm. all the new stuff in there is just kind of cheesy. The art's not that good. But some of that old stuff, oh my god, it's gruesome. gruesome. Well, if, it, if it's competitive, you know, quality-wise with the EC stuff, then it's... Yeah, well, yeah, they have... Then, it, then it's something that's a must-read. I think they actually tried harder to be gruesome to, to sort of, you know, stand out from, from EC. And, uh... 
So sometimes I sometimes it's really entertaining to read an awkwardly written comic book, almost as a little period piece sort of thing. So I've been having a lot of fun reading these. There's like eleven of them in in all, and I'm about halfway through those. And I've got the Grant Morrison run of um, oh um. What the hell is the name of them? I just did the last issue where they all died. Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol. So that's that's next on my reading list. Yeah, I, so I'm I, gonna give it a try. I'm curious. Let me know what you think of those because I haven't read them and uh, I have some issues with Grant Morrison, so uh, I don't know. Uh, but I hear you know people do rave about it, so let me know I, what you think when you. Yeah, reading. I I haven't read. I don't much Grant Morrison at all, so I have nothing to to go from. So I'm very interested to see what I I think. I have a feeling my prejudices from just what I've heard and trying to be like, okay, I hear horrible things. I hear people raving about him, but what it all when it all when I try to read between the lines, it sounds sort of like he's a a kind of an Alan Moore wannabe. Yeah, that's that's a little bit of what I get. I, I've I've listened to him in two or three interviews on uh, Fat Man with Batman or Fat Man on Batman, uh, Kevin Smith's podcast, and I find him to be at least in the interviews very engaging and intelligent. Mm-hmm. But sometimes in the stories, he's a little too uh, artsy, smartsy, farty. Yeah, but yeah, for the sake of you know, just patting himself on the back. And mm-hmm. uh, when we do a freaky five, I'll have a little bit more to say. About ah, that. okay. <laughs> yeah, I, but I, you know, I thought I was gonna hate Neil Gaiman too when I read his stuff because I thought he was gonna be a sort of Alan Moore wannabe, and I ended up really enjoying a lot of it. So we'll see. Mm. Yeah, I liked it's, it's, all the I liked the old Doom Patrols that I read. Yeah, I mean, I, I there's some old Doom Patrols, you know, where it was really cheesy, but I always enjoyed those. I enjoy the cheesiness lately. I don't know, maybe if it's in my old age or or what, but I'm I'm really enjoying, like, almost the naivety of comics in those a in those days, you know. Yeah, oh, I definitely and, enjoy that. And reading between the lines of. All right, here were you know, here are some people who might not have been really trained as writers or whatever, who but just got stuck into it, and now they're writing for kids, but they're also trying to keep themselves entertained and hit a deadline, and all that. So I'm very, you know, that that always sort of plays into the enjoyment of it too. I enjoy that, and I, and I enjoy the later Bronze Age stuff where you had people who actually you know, were writers, mm-hmm. and they grew up reading the older stuff, mm-hmm. and they were trying to be a little bit more edgy without going over the top, still entertain children, but but have some sort of subtext in there. Have some meat in there for the yeah. older kids and the adults reading it, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of that stuff is fun to read, especially, you know, we've talked a few times in the past about... Jim Stalin's run on Captain Marvel and on Warlock, and I mean some of it's heavy-handed stuff, but it's it's fun to read. The heavy-handedness sometimes is just what what the doctor ordered. <laughs> I think I mean, heavy-handedness if, if, works good when you're a teenager, you know, and you're reading yeah. stuff like that. 
And then so, you feel so clever because you can see through, even though it's so obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's like training wheels. It's training wheels for irony and for metaphor and stuff like that. You know, I when I go and read a lot of the comics that I loved when I was a kid, and I still actually end up loving them, but, you know, I see the... The symbolism and the message was play, you know, played out with the subtlety of like an Oliver Stone movie, like the um, that graphic novel, the Teen Titans one, uh, God Loves, Man Kills. That's oh, the X Men. I X Men, yeah. I I did I say Teen Titans? Yeah. Jeez. Oh, See, I was also thinking, I was actually thinking New Mutants, but either way, I had it all wrong. <laughs> but I read that. I must have read that, you know, hundreds of times when I was when when that came out and just and was just like oh my god this is you know this is some this is deep you know they they've gone and uh taken it to the next level with it and now when i read it it's just like melodramatic and overwrought but still great i still love the message of it and stuff but it was it was definitely written for somebody you know as as an early <laughs> experience I, I, and that sort to, of stuff to me the the most obvious one is uh, uh you know i just said it talked about jim starlin's run on warlock but before that uh in marvel premiere number one that was the introdu- introduction of him as adam warlock as opposed to uh him which was his original name oh uh, when he was created in the fantastic four and uh they you know the story is the high evolutionary creates counter earth in six days and on the seventh day, he rests, and he considers Warlock to be his son. That's why he names him Adam, because he's the first guy. Are you getting a little of the symbolism here? I'm starting to piece it together. <laughs> I'm writing it down so I can like get a little, like draw some lines between you to start putting Yeah, it it's a little complex and, and subtle, but... <laughs> yeah, but when you're 11, 12 years old, you're just like, oh my god, it's the Bible! <laughs> But it, it's like it was so obvious, and then then while he's resting on the seventh day, evil kind of manifests itself and takes over and gets into the world. So now he has to send Adam, his son, down to Counter Earth. And already by now, I'm starting to get the idea that it might not end well. Uh, well, to, to make a long story short, he actually uh, the series got canceled before they could finish it, and they <laughs> did it. They did it in uh, an issue of the or two issues of the Hulk. And it ends with the people of Counter-Earth crucifying Adam Warlock. Hmm. And then he's resurrected. Go figure how that... <laughs> really? <laughs> like I said, subtle as can be. Subtle as whacking you in the head with a brick. Did not see that coming. <laughs> and then shortly after that, Jim Starlin came over. And, and his stuff... I mean, he's got a lot of obvious metaphors and things too. But it's, it's a little bit more clever. But I even enjoyed the... Or, you know the the stuff that Roy Thomas. I think it was Roy Thomas that had done that, but I enjoyed that stuff too. Yeah, I mean, you you yeah, it it helps. <laughs> For I'm a firm believer that you know, it's it's maybe an American thing, but I think a good chunk of comics should be for kids and teenagers. Not that that should be the main audience, but it's the perfect opportunity to to that and like Harry Potter books. It's the equivalent of Harry Potter books, you know, 
Well, and, and in that respect, I think the teenagers should be the main audience. I think it should be, it should respect its audience. It shouldn't talk down to its audience. And as long as it accomplishes that, then somebody like you or I who's older can read it and appreciate it and mm-hmm. enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to be directed to us. Right. They can feel free to put stuff in it for us. Um, like, I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard from a lot of people who have seen the Lego movie. I've heard it's really funny. Everybody I know who's seen it has, so far, has had kids. And they've been disputing who had more fun, them or the kids, in in the movie. Because they threw in plenty of stuff for the adults to appreciate in it. Yet the kids loved it, too, you know? So, when you're able to do that, that's that's when you can make the big money, too. So I'm hoping, you know, that's... That's why I've sort of, in the 90s, I sort of started avoiding comics because I think they were being written for older people. And that's okay, but you got to write them better for older people too, you know? <laughs> you, can't, yeah. you can't write... Well, you can, obviously. But, you know, it's sort of... You know, once, once it started getting into the Liefeld... Um, Oh, what the hell is his name from Spider-Man? McFarlane. World no, Todd McFarlane. Of like, yeah, where you had these the guys who were 20 years old who were all of a sudden, you know, writing these portentous sagas and stuff. But really, they were more into drawing. <laughs> yeah, well, that was, that was the thing about Image Comics is it, it de-emphasized the writing and emphasized the art. And... You know, you, you got to have a balance of both. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that's what it proved, I think, the early days of Image. Yeah, they could only get so far without learning to write. But, you know, they were, they, they were, they were not experienced writers, and they were making millions of dollars on a product that wasn't well-written, so why change it, you know? Yeah, in some cases, it wasn't well-drawn either. <laughs> that's true, too. <laughs> but... That's when, when when I've stopped paying attention. And I'm sure I've missed a lot of really good stuff, but that's where I, I think the comic world is going to change. I'm now with the um, everybody switching over. It's sort of ironic that now Scott Gardner is switching over to his iPad for comics. But now I'm, I'm starting to think I'm going to start buying more paper issues. I'm starting to think... Not in the next few years, but I'm saying within a decade, all of a sudden I think there'll be an appreciation for old comic books and all of a sudden there's in the next 10 or 20 years, there's got to be a, a, a time period where all of a sudden people get it. Why, why it was that people liked old-fashioned classic on crappy paper comic books. The same way that right now people are starting it's there's almost a parallel going along with the music industry with the vinyl with the vinyl where all of a sudden and it's really funny uh mike cross who uh grew up with scott and i and is also a listener had a suggestion for two true freaks episode 500 that's totally we can't <laughs> there's no way we could do it but it would be so great he said yeah you should do episode 500 is vinyl only <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm like, yeah, it would have to be like a four to six record set or something like that. But um, yeah, people are starting, and 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 a lot of it has to do with, you know, when CDs first came out, they were so high quality that everybody was like, oh, this is the ultimate format. You can have, you could be like playing the master tapes in your in your house, and that was sort of the case. And that led to problems in the beginning because it sounded too good and you heard some of the things that were wrong with the tapes that vinyl didn't pick up and then they figured out how to mix it for CDs. And then you had this period where, ah, oh, you had these awesomely mixed, beautiful digital CDs. And then that band Oasis came along and started making their music louder. They were like, we have to, our CDs have to be louder than other people's CDs. So you have to sort of squash down the sound to do that and compress it. So you lose the high end and the low end. So you start doing the same thing you were doing to put stuff on vinyl, but even more so. So now 90% of the rock, you know, pop rock going to top 40 radio CDs are sound demonstrably worse <laughs> in their digital format than they do on vinyl so they're, they're, you know and stuff that you know a Jimi Hendrix album that's been remastered now so, and I think the same thing's going to happen with comics and the, the, the digital vinyl version or digital CD version of comics is sort of the format we have now with the glossy paper and the computer coloring with all the um, you know super smooth gradation and stuff like that and to the point of where even a lot of the times you look at the inking and you know it's been done at super high quality on a computer but it's still it was somebody with a pad and a stylus rather than an ink pen and there's just a difference you know there's a difference in the way the line works on it and to me it just it never looks right you know it never looks it doesn't have the charm of it and i think that's going to come back eventually and somewhere I, I think you you may be onto something actually i could see a a uh, you know a a reawakening of people's appreciation for the actual print it'll be a collector's point. market but it won't be like the general populace, but it'll be like all of a sudden there'll be like twenty-year-olds at that time period who are like, "I want to read my Swamp Thing," uh, you know. I want to be able to to look at it and look at the ads and and all that stuff, you know. And I and I think that that day is is going to come. So I'm hanging on to my my um hard copies and as a matter of fact if I ever get into my dream nerd pad I might even start stepping up my purchase of of comics but back issues you know older stuff probably more than stuff off the newsstand unfortunately yeah well that, that's that's more or less my thought Any at this point anything uh, anything I acquire that's going to have volume to it I don't <laughs> necessarily want it to be new I wish I could find enough new stuff to to get me interested but right now i think the only hard comic that i get is the walking dead still the, 
the only the only new stuff I want hard copies of is going to be in uh, trade form. I'm not getting the individual issues. Mm-hmm. It's just you know, there's just not enough room in my home. You know, maybe <laughs> if I hit the lotto or something, then I can get a dedicated comic book area in in my mansion. You know, the one I have with my yacht and all. I need to get yeah. I need to get a new long box actually. I'm I'm within a couple months of. My last long box is going to start overflowing. Well, I found myself to be too old to uh, deal with long boxes anymore. So I went with short boxes. Because it's just so much easier to maneuver them when to, I need to. To hoist them around. Mine don't go. I, I ended up getting the sleeves that go around the long boxes so you can pull them out like drawers. Oh, that's kind so of So I cool. just have a, a two rows of, you know, a double row of three of them. And, uh, those are good, but they're cardboard still, so you know they only last so long. There's only so many times you can yank a full rack of comics out before it starts getting getting bent up and uh, distorted. Right. But it's better than having to play Jenga with all the boxes and take the lid off them and dig through them. Well, the uh, the drawer boxes that they make seem like a good product but i think they're a little pricey you see i'm lucky i have a place where they make them right here in rochester um the place that makes them doesn't really make them for comic book purposes you know that it's just one of their products that they they make that's that right size they have a whole bunch of them and you just get the one and so you go right to the i can go right to their warehouse and you just go up to a window and flip through a book and go I need five of these and the little old lady will go and pull them off the stock shelf so those ended up being like four or five dollars a piece I think that's not bad for the whole setup you know the long box and the sleeve around it that's well worth it worth it especially compared to like the uh, you know ultimately I would love to have the nice wooden cabinets that they make and stuff like that but I can't afford that yeah, ideally, I'd like to have the wooden ones like they have in the uh, stores, where you know you could have it on uh, on on rollers, and you mm-hmm. kind of pull it out, yeah. look through it, push it back in. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. Yeah, that's uh, ultimately, happened. I want like um, the real archivists have, where they have the shelves that they can just condense together, and they're on they're on tracks. Oh yeah, yeah. I would and love. You, you kind of have the uh, like the the what you call it the crank yeah yeah you have a big crank and you you just crank a, it's a you know library library shelving that's that's my dream is an underground compound with you know just hallways full of those and yet though, action if, I'm, if i'm gonna go as far as having that i don't I, I want it to all be mechanical where i press a button i don't actually have to crank then Oh, I like that. You see, I like the cranking thing. I, you know, I want to be going down there as an old man with a candle and like, okay, right down here. As as real life imitates art. And, <laughs> yes, exactly. And you actually turn into the Chris Keeper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would love to be the Chris Keeper. So my other piece, my last piece of news, I, I actually have gone on longer than I thought I would, was... um. And it's weird, it's tangential, it's not to comics, but it is tangential to Two True Freaks. And um, I, I think I talked about it in maybe Star Wars Monthly Monday with Scott, 
But uh, there's a new ro- radio station brewing here in Rochester, and the next step in that actually happening is just happened tonight where they got all their permits to put it up and everything from the FCC. So now they're going to crowdsource some money to uh, buy a transmitter and all that stuff. But my plan is to have some form of nerd um, Two True Freak show on there, and it would be, you know, transmitted. It's not, it's a small transmitter, small form community transmitter. So it's only really going to cover the entire city portion of Rochester. But it will definitely, um, there definitely are plans to have all the shows streaming over the internet. So we could, and um, I'm sure there'll be um, um, Wi-Fi hookups and stuff so we can do Skype there. So I'm thinking of doing some sort of radio version extension of Two True Freaks onto this. So uh, just keep listening and I'll keep you posted on on how that's going. I'm very excited. I love doing radio, so. Well, what would be cool about that is, you know, whenever I talk to people who don't really understand what podcasting is and and yes. you basically you know they basically ask you, you know what is that what do you what do you mean podcast what is that and then you know the 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 fallback description is always well it's kind of a radio show for the internet yeah and and, and I, uh, I use and now now lot. I could actually now I could actually do a real radio show which mm-hmm. would be interesting and and I've used that description a lot but I sort of stopped using it because people still get weird ideas about it so you know they'll 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 be like so your podcast what time is it on <laughs> you know i get that mm. a lot what time is your podcast on and it's just like whatever time you want to listen to it and they what is it like a vending machine do you just wait to start talking till someone's listening and it's like no it's already there you can go get it i don't know why i'm explaining that to people who are already listening to a podcast but I, i've i've had the same uh the, the same confusion from people, so it, it's not uncommon. It's getting to a point where people are starting to get it. There's, I mean, there's already podcasts that are really in in circulation. They rival anything, any other form of media as far as you know. I think some of the top podcasts get in the tens of millions of downloads each episode. You know, when it comes out. We haven't quite reached that yet, huh? No. <laughs> I, well, maybe we have, and our we don't know how to read our numbers or something. But I would like to think that if we did reach that that level, we would know. We'd at least be able to measure it through the Amazon site. <laughs> mm. I, I think, and I'm hoping. Well, now, that at this we, point, I I kind of have downsized it all in my mind to the point where it's it's only the people who are on the. Uh, Facebook page that I think are listening, uh-huh. and they're not listening to every show in my mind. Uh-huh. So there's like you know there's like eighty people who are listening, I've... which I know it's significantly more than that. But <laughs> all right, so I think it's time to move on to an actual actual part of the show. All right, so on to the freaky five. And uh, this this month on the Freaky Five, it is the mirror image of last month's Freaky Five. If if you remember, if you listen, 
And if you didn't, why, why the hell are you listening now? And if you are haven't listened and are listening now, welcome. But uh, actually, if you haven't listened, go back and listen to that one too. And if you're not listening, then I don't know who I'm talking to. So last last month was the top five books that you saw on the newsstand, and you and you didn't pick up, and you wish you had. So this month is the top five books that you have <laughs> that you picked up off the newsstand, but you really wish that you hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because I'm gonna let you I'm I'm gonna let you go first because you seem to have an easier time with this one than than I did. Okay. Well, like I was saying, I, I didn't I didn't start off having an easy time because I I'm pretty I'm pretty easily pleased. I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. uh, if that comes across when uh, we do back to the bins, uh, but you know, I, I look for things to like, and uh, and I often find them. So it's it's it, at first when I started thinking about it, it was a little hard to come up with stuff. But then as it started coming to me, it came to me quicker and quicker, and uh, I ended up w- with a list of eight things. And uh, rather than cut things off, especially since there's only the two of us today, so it makes it easier to do a longer yeah, list. Yeah, we might as well indulge ourselves a little bit. So uh, number eight on, on my list was Omega the Unknown. Not the original Steve Gerber storyline, but the I think it was in 2007 they came out with a 12-issue miniseries. And the art was... It was you might appreciate it a little bit more than me. It was very... Uh, underground comic looking uh the artwork in it and certainly nothing that you'd expect in a superhero book at all and i started to read it and i found the story to be absolutely incomprehensible and i hated it and couldn't read it and that was it i mean it's as simple as that for that one uh you know other ones i have a little bit more of an elaborate uh criticism of but that one it was really just i just thought it was absolutely bad it was uh just nothing about it that that appealed to me uh number seven on my list is j michael straczynski's run on superman the grounded storyline where he he had superman come to the conclusion that he'd lost touch with humanity and he decided to do a walkabout of the united states to uh to regain that touch, and it was issue by issue going through different towns and cities. I remember actually United reading States. one of those in the comic book store, randomly picking it up, going, I haven't looked at a Superman comic, and going, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would take randomly pick it up, and you'd want to put it down just as quickly. It, it, it was uneventful. It was, I thought, boring. I read it uh, cover to cover right there in, like, under five minutes, you know, just so like flip, flip, flip. I don't know if it was maybe that particular issue. It was walking and it was walking down like main street of some, like any town USA. And he found a whole bunch of aliens like living in a house and rousted them out basically. Yeah. I think he thought, Oh, by doing this, I'm going to come up with all these ideas to go, you know, in all these different locales and, and just give me ideas for stories. And then halfway through it, he just left. And somebody else had to finish it up. So I, I just really thought it was bad. Uh, the covers weren't bad. They were by John Cassidy. And uh, I find him to be a pretty, a generally pleasing artist. And he's done pretty good work on Superman, especially All-Star Superman. Uh, next on my list, with all due uh, apologies to Michael Leyland, is Final Crisis. Uh, and that's a Grant Morrison 
self-indulgent. Just, I just thought it was a terrible event uh, that that insulted the name Crisis. Uh, You know, there's so so many quality things that DC had that that title was attached to, and then to do this story that it was basically Dark Seed. Darkseid trying to uh, destroy the DC universe, but doing it through some sort of strange means, and then it ended with Superman defeating him by singing some song. Uh, it was. It was I, I remember just, that it was like self-indulgent mm-hmm. tripe. It was. It was like hard. singing the music of the spheres or something like that. Yeah, yeah. He he. I mean, he he killed off Batman during the run, which is kind of interesting. Uh, which of shockingly didn't didn't stay, but uh, just just a really really bad storyline as far as I was concerned. Next on my list was Wanted, which I know we've talked about. Did we do that on a great get Chris to read? Maybe. I don't think so. Now is this the one that the movie was based on? It's 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 the one that the movie's based on. It's a little bit more elaborate than the movie because the movie didn't really have the. Superhero, supervillain. Uh huh. You know they weren't as elaborate as they were in the comic. Yeah. So uh, I haven't. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't read any of the comics to that. Yeah. I've seen the movie, but I hadn't read any. Ha- haven't and hadn't read any of the comics. Yeah. At the, at the end of the twelve issue series, the main character calls the audience pathetic, and then says, uh, I, I, "If I remember the line correct, it's something to the effect of, this is my face when I'm fucking you in the ass.'" And it's basically as disrespectful to to the readers of his book. Was as, this in the last issue after you bought them all? Yep. Oh, nice. Mark, <laughs> awesome. Mark Miller just telling, saying "fuck you" to his audience, basically. And and it really, I found it to be like I said, I I think your readers, your listeners, your watchers, whatever whatever you know format of media you're in, uh, if they're taking the time to listen to you, watch you, read you. You owe them a certain amount of respect uh, on an intellectual le- level, and when people don't show that respect, it it really does bother me, and it makes me not want to patronize their uh, their products. And and that's uh, what I thought Mark Miller did in that that See, series. I don't think they owe it to you, but at the same time, when they do that, they should know that nobody's going to come back. Or <laughs> very, you know. If you if you're gonna treat your audience like that, then don't expect them to be your audience for very long. You know what I mean? I yeah, I would I would have I would have read that and been like, Okay, noted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when I see your name on, on the on the book, I'm gonna just pass up on it from now on. Down to number uh what was it? Number four on my list is Maximum Carnage. Uh, which I think is kind of an example of when you talk about the 90s, and we've talked about the 90s on this show, we've talked about it on Back to the Bins, and you know a lot of, a lot of us have come to the conclusion that the 90s are unfairly maligned, that, that there were problems in the 90s, but there's also a lot of good stuff that came out. But this is a series that I think kind of goes to what was wrong with the 90s, which I think uh, was it was a decade of excess and a decade of uh, events trying to sell people things just because it's an event and, and trying to trick people into making, th- make, making them think that things were going to be valuable that weren't going to be. And what they did was they came up with this, this basically little storyline, Maximum Carnage, 
and then they turned it into a 14-part crossover among all the Spider-Man titles. And really, for 14 issues, all it was was a battle royal between five or six supervillains and six or seven superheroes. And the story just never got off and running, and it was just really bad, but it was pushed on people. It's the same thing they kind of did with the Clone Saga, but I thought the Clone Saga at least had more of a spark of a good idea in it. I thought it would dra- was dragged mm-hmm. on too long, but I thought it had, you know, there was some basis there if they had streamlined the Clone Saga where it would have been good. This really had no, you know, nothing about it that was really redeeming. Next on my list, number three is The Crossing, which is an Avengers uh, storyline, which had a lot of the same problems with it, only it became a little bit more ambitious and in the ambition became stupid. Uh, they came up with a storyline where Iron Man and Tony, Tony Stark as Iron Man uh, basically turned traitor and was working with Kang and actually was killing people. And in order to take care of this, someone had the brilliant idea of going into the past and getting a 19-year-old Tony Stark and bringing him back to combat his older self. Now, why only young Tony Stark can beat old Tony Stark, I don't know. Why Thor just can't beat Tony Stark, I don't know. Uh, but they had to go back and get young Tony Stark. And then what they do is they killed off old Tony Stark, who had kind of a moment of redemption where he sacrificed himself. And then were left with a 19-year-old Tony Stark to take up the mantle of Iron Man. And they quickly realized this was just Dumb. stupid. <laughs> and they, uh, you know, they, they used the uh, Heroes Reborn thing to just totally wipe it out of history. It was, you know, I think dumb is the right word. Two is Ultimatum, which is part of the Marvel Ultimate Universe. And basically in that, what happened is they decided, you know, when they originally started the Ultimate Universe, they came out and they said, uh, you know, here we're going we're gonna to have a fresh new start on all these characters and we're not going to be tied down by decades of continuity. We're going to be able to just, you know, have new, new readers come in and, and, pick this stuff up and have it be fresh and new. And they really did a good idea, you know, they really did have some good ideas. And you, you can see it based on the fact that a lot of the Marvel movie work, whether it's the Marvel Studios or if it's the Spider-Man movies or, or whatever, a lot of it has been based in many ways on the Ultimate Comics line. Mm-hmm. So there, a lot, you know, a lot of good ideas did come out of it, but at some point they realized, you know, after ten years or so, that they had so much continuity with now the Ultimate line that they wanted to streamline it a little bit, and to do so, they uh, they came up with this uh, event called Ultimatum, and basically it was just a wanton uh, you know, murder murder of of all of these characters and and in ways you know extremely distasteful ways the the most significant one that i can remember is they had the blob killing uh the wasp but he didn't just kill the wasp they decided to turn him into a cannibal because when he killed her he he ate her oh jesus and 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 they cut to him and his like basically like her bloody carcass and he's chewing on her and he says something to the effect of mmm tastes like chicken oh jesus you know, a lot, a lot of things like that in the story. Just, again, very, very distasteful. And number one on my list, and anybody who goes on and on and on about Brand New Day or uh, One More Day for Spider-Man, uh, yeah, that had its, its negatives, but the worst thing in Spider-Man, in my opinion, and my second JMS 
entry in my Freaky Five is Sin's Past, which if you don't recognize that by the name, I think you'll recognize it when I start to talk about it a little bit more. It was a Spider-Man storyline where they had these two young people attacking Peter Parker, and then over the course of the storyline, we find out that these are the twin children of Gwen Stacy, who were fathered by Norman Osborn. Sound familiar? Uh, I guess uh, you hadn't heard about this. No. So, basically, they had... I think it was, if, if I, my memory of the storyline is correct, and forgive me for the fact that I didn't reread any of these for the purposes of this uh, Freaky Five, but just the nature of the books that I'm picking says yeah. I don't reread any of them. Yeah, yeah, no, you don't have to. Yeah, come on. But uh, I, I think it was like just after a defeat by Spider-Man that Norman Osborn was particularly dejected and Gwen is feeling sorry for him and the next thing you know, he's seducing her and sleeping with her. And nine months later, she has these twins and somehow through accelerated aging, they're, you know, basically, I guess, late teens at this point and Norman has raised them but convinced them that Peter was their father and oh. that he killed their mother and abandoned them and that Norman, you know, was the benefic- benefactor raising them. So they set off and were, you know, set to, to kill Peter. And the, the son is trying to kill Peter and the daughter actually at some point I think tries to seduce him. Which is just kind of freaky. Creepy. Yeah, very creepy. Very creepy. And then, and then even, even to take it a step further, you know, Peter's, at the time, was still married to Mary Jane. And he starts to talk to her about it. And it turns out she knew all about this the whole time. That, but she was sworn to secrecy by Gwen. And, and not only is the story just really just bad, but it takes a character that, you know, was iconic. And she was iconic for her... Her virtue, her virtue, her, you know, innocence and everything. And, and just, you know, here she is sleeping around with Norman freaking Osborne and having kids getting knocked up. I mean, not that that doesn't happen to people, but it's just, you know, she she was the standard. And he just basically pissed on her. So, Giving up that, pity sex. Yeah. With Norman Osborne, of all people. with With basically the father of a friend of hers. Oh whoops! <laughs> so yeah, that that was just really bad stuff, as far as I'm concerned. That was that's my number one. That I wish I had never read it. Quite a collection. Mine, mine was a little harder. I got four of them, and number five took just till almost recording time, and then I was like, oh yeah, of course. How could I forget that? So we'll start with number five, and that is 300 Number One by Frank Miller, which isn't a horrible comic, but it was, it was just, it, it was, it marked the point when I bought it and I took it home and I, and I saw it and, and I was like, ooh, this looks gorgeous. It's in a big format and I, it looks really pretty. And I was a big fan of, Frank Miller and had sort of not been paying attention for a long time. <laughs> and this was the first one I got at home and I was just like, oh, geez, <laughs> there's nothing to this, you know? And it was like, what is, what has happened to, 
to Frank Miller, who was usually a sharp pointed writer. And this is all just art over, you know, style over substance. And so that was where that one was the one that sort of, you know, just showed that that maybe Frank Miller had jumped the shark for me. Yeah, I, well, I think he started shifting to form over substance around the time of Ronin. Mm-hmm. And I think Which that was carried through on stopped. 300, and it also carried through on Sin City, from what I saw of it. I didn't read it all. But, but yeah, at that point, and then, then he did uh, uh, the sequel to the Dark Knight book. I yeah, that was really half-assed. Yeah, that was, that was like a money grab. So, yeah, at that point, before that, you know, before Ronin, I thought his work was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And then after Ronin, not so much. And Ronin itself was kind of like in the middle. It wasn't horrible, but it wasn't the same quality. It's starting as the to show player. the signs, though, yeah. Now, number three and number four are sort of, they're two different comics, but they were sort of in in the same time period. And this one goes back to last month, too. And uh, number four is Night of Living Dead, number one. And number three is Toe Tags, number one. And these were both zombie comics with George Romero's name on them. And um, speaking of that Dark Knight sequel, total money grabs. Now, did, did Romero have anything actually to do with the production, or did he just lend his name to the project? I think he wrote the story for Toe Tags. And Night of the Living Dead was a reimagining of the story with Barbara being more kick-ass. It was, it was going along sort of the lines of the remake by Tom Savini. But they were both very... Toe Tags, like the... the Zombies were actually intelligent and talking, and one of them was actually this sort of militarized zombie leader, and it was just goofy. It was they were both very pandery, you know, sort of pandering to zombie gore fans, and light on story, and high just on stupid catchphrases and stuff, and 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 buying them and taking them home and reading them totally turned me off to buying I was just going oh there's a lot of zombie comics coming out but they're all obviously crap somebody's just trying to make money on it so then you know a month after that when I saw Walking Dead sitting down sitting down there I just sort of flipped through it and said ah I'm not taking a risk on this (laughs) (laughs) let me get toe tags but let me just pass on yeah so meanwhile I've got these two pieces of crap are still in my collection and I never bought a, a issue of Walking Dead number one. How's that? You know, you know what? Just to to tangent slightly on you, but you know what's been very good lately along those lines. If you haven't seen it yet, I would recommend Afterlife with Archie. It's basically I... it's a zombie story in the oh, Archie God. universe. Jughead gets bitten, I think, by a dog who's got the zombie virus or whatever, and then he turns into a zombie and he goes to like the school dance. And it's a oh zombie God. story, but the characters are kind of true to their characterization, and it's really just an entertaining read. It sounds like they've been having a lot of fun with Archie in the last few years. Yeah. 
It yeah, sounds like it sort of had this, a little revival. The first one of, I mean, I've heard about the other stuff with the adult Archie and all that, but I kind of just let it go by. But I this one, no I've, interest, I've, been, yeah. I've read two issues of this, and it's very entertaining. Yeah, that would be the Archie that I would end up getting. The other ones, it was like, oh, that's nice that it's having a little revival, but I, I didn't care about it <laughs> at first. So yeah. I wasn't interested in young Archie. Intro, I really don't uh, care what he grew up into. Mm-hmm. But but the zombie world Archie is like I said is the two issues I've read of it have been very entertaining. All right, so number two is Sweet Tooth number one by Jeff Lemire. Lemire. Mm-hmm. I picked it up because I was a little intrigued with the art style at first, which is really sketchy. But it's 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 uh, like you were describing a comic earlier. It's very underground, and it and it's I think it's a DC more indie sort of title. You know, they're trying to be more indie, right? And um, and I like it's a, th- saw it, and I thought this looks really interesting. This looks like it might be something I like. It's a little weird. I'll pick up the first one and. And you know, I was—I think it was around the time that Why the Last Men ended, and I was looking maybe for a new title to pick up. And I got like maybe the first ten issues of it before I decided I do not like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very well written. And at first, I was sort of charmed by the art style. Now I just don't think he's very good. <laughs> So it's just... yeah, that's, that's I I heard about that. I never read it, but I heard it, and when I heard it, it was described as basically something that you'd be interested in the art, not the story so much. Yeah, and then not even so much that, because as a longtime reader of indie and underground comics, sometimes when somebody tries to make an indie or underground comic. It doesn't work, you know, because the people who are making Indian underground comics, they're just making what they do. You know, they're just doing what they do and they're Indian underground because not that many people are into that. You know, only a, a, a niche audience is into that. So when someone like when when D- DC and Marvel have all tried to do it and Marvel, I remember in the 70s, did it with comics book. But they what they did with that, what, which was smart, is they hired actual real underground cartoonists and said here here have some marvel money and and printed some of their stories and and um when they try to get somebody and sort of bring them up through it they it doesn't seem to work as well and it ended up just the whole thing ended up seeming very pretentious to me it seemed being it, it seemed to be the the things about indie comics that turn people off about them, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, yep. And number one <laughs> was US one, number one, <laughs> and that was the point in my young comic book life where I realized, man, did I just buy this because it's a number one? just because it's a number one and it might be valuable someday because this is awful <laughs> just awful 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 i remember i i think scott turned his nose up on it even though both of us would just almost 
automatically buy almost anything that was number one. I think even he turned his nose up on it, and I seem to remember he was just mercilessly mocking me for buying it. And of course, I had to read it once I bought it, and it was, and I regret that. I don't, I, you know, I probably still have it, but I probably haven't read it again since that initial reading. But that was when I started thinking, you know, maybe I just, maybe I won't start buying all number ones <laughs> after all. I'm pretty confident I bought that one also because it was the number one. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I ever read it. Why else would That you one might be an exception to the rule, but I think just about everything else we mentioned could be described when you, when you talk about being pretentious. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and it's almost like vanity pieces that they put out to, you know, and they, 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 to show how clever and how smart they are. And and when you try too hard to show how smart you are, you you very rarely show how smart you are. Yeah, just the opposite. Yeah, I don't think that's the case with US One. I think US One was just trying to appeal to a to a market that didn't exist. Really. Yeah, that no, that yeah, and not only that, but the art was horrible. It was just I can't remember who did the art, but it was the most generic, terrible. It was like a bad. Um, product tie-in with no product. Maybe they were yeah, hope like there should have been a toy or something. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. GI Joe made sense. Let's see. I'm yeah. looking to see if I could find out who the artist was before we go any further. If my internet was a little faster, there we go. Oh God, John covers- would know. Oh, it's actually drawn by Herb Trimpey. There you go. That's why. Who I who I happen to like. Uh, Scott and I have had some serious but disagreements on that. Uh, if you listen to Star Wars Monthly Monday this this month, you can hear Scott and I doing a little drubbing on Herb Trimpey. Yeah, well, that's uh, actually that's how we got involved in the conversation last time because Scott said uh, after you guys had recorded it. He asked, you know, have you listened to it yet? Because I'm curious mm-hmm. as to your opinion on this. Because he knows I, I happen to be uh, more of a fan of Trimpey. Uh, the cover is dr- of the first issue is drawn by Al Milgram, who I'm not a fan of. Yeah, no, it was an awful cover too. And you know what was even greater about that Indiana Jones is inked by Vince Coletta. So it was a double treat. Yeah, well, double Vince Coletta. Yeah, and we we just recently had this conversation, and I, I'm trying to remember if we just had it between us or if, if it was I think part we of had it on a Comics episode. Monthly Monday, but it, it could have been like up to a, like a year ago. <laughs> no, recently, when when Scott and I were talking about after you did the Star Wars episode, we were talking about it, oh. and I don't know if it was just us talking or if if it was part of a Back to the Bins episode. I think it might have been on Back to the Bins, but what I was saying at that time was Vince Coletta in my opinion, was actually a very talented artist. And in some of the work he did, you can see it. And you could see that it's really high-quality stuff. But the problem is he had a reputation that he earned for speed, just getting things done quickly and making sure he hit his deadline. And they'd give him things that the deadline was coming up, and he'd, he'd rip you know, it. rip through it really fast uh, at the expense of the, of the quality. And he would, you know, be erasing backgrounds that, that should be in the shot instead of inking them. Right. 
and 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 things of that nature. So I mean that's that's why uh, Vince Coletta has a bad reputation in in my opinion. Not because he was not talented and not because he did bad work, but because he did his work in a bad way. <laughs> well, I I mean there there were a lot of there were a lot of red red lights on the last two issues Indiana Jones that that said that um they might have been done in a hurry. <laughs> so mm. So that that might make sense, but I think we are ready to to move on to everybody's favorite. Get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic. 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 Yes, that's right. It's Get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic, and this month it kind of feels like Get Chris. Chris gets Chris to read his own goddamn superhero comic because <laughs> the guy who uh, foisted this one on me is not here. You're not not only that, but you're doing an issue that we already covered on Back to the Bins, so I'm not going to be totally repetitive and give you know give a total backup of your review. But when we get to, after you've done your synopsis, I'll just give the issue, the episode of Back to the Bins that it's in, and uh, if somebody wants to seek it out Compare to hear more, contrast, from yeah. I think it was me and Doctor Bill in that one. I don't think Scott was there that episode, but he may have been. So whatever the case may be, if people want to hear it, I'll, uh, you know what, I'll just say it now. It's in episode one hundred and two of Back to the Bins. Hmm. And if you're not listening to Back to the Bins, and get on it. If you're listening yeah, to this show, you should be listening to Back to the Bins. And you should be giving them all good uh, iTunes reviews. Yes, iTunes reviews, constantly. Fifteen of them, at least, each of you. <laughs> well, you know what? In, in the Back to the Bin, or in the Two True Freaks feed, there's Two True Freaks 2, but then there's also Two True Freaks Presents Back to the Bins. Two True Freaks mm-hmm. Presents, uh, you know, uh, what you call it, uh, just one of the guys or whatever yeah. you know all different shows and there's no reason they can't give reviews to all of them that's absolutely true every stinking one of them whether you listen to them or not <laughs> all right so back to your uh, synopsis <clears throat> this month on get chris to read a goddamn superhero comic i am reading starman number one by roger stern tom lyle and bob smith it starts with a bunch of potentially evil scientists trying to make good, clean, Earth-style American superheroes by blasting their test subjects with solar rays collected from their space satellite. This is how the Jersey Shore began. Just a warning to you folks. Then a piece of space junk hits the satellite and it just starts shooting its beam willy-nilly all over the United States. A month later, some hikers find a dead guy who looks like Grizzly Adams fell asleep at a tanning salon. The ground is all burnt up around him. They drop him off at the morgue, but he wakes up, hops out the window, and flies onto an 18-wheeler. Now he assumes that he is on drugs. He has some lunch at a diner, and then he foils a bank robbery by melting the, the crook's guns. He flies away when the cops get there, which is the superpower that I want. Then he starts remembering who he is, so he goes home to meet his police song singing borderline inappropriate sister, who is thrilled 
that he went to sleep for a month and woke up with a spray tan and superpowers. His mom still thinks he's a worthless bum, though. His sister makes him an outfit and then looks at him naked. He goes and saves a guy who's trapped under a giant crane and a kid names him Starman because he glows like a star or because of his giant star on his costume or something. And then meanwhile, the scientists hear about him and then they figure out that he was probably hit by their super suntan beam. And now they must find him. The end. This was different than the other Starman comic I read. Which other one did you read? Was that the James Robinson one? It's the more modern one from the last. That's the one. That's the one I've heard so many good things about. It was I really good. This read. one wasn't bad either. I didn't think. But I thought I was reading that one when I picked up this one and did it for Back to the Bins. So I ended oh. up being disappointed because it wasn't the one I was actually <laughs> <Whoops>. looking for. <laughs> yeah, I can't help focusing on the inappropriateness of this guy's sister. Yeah, what's up with that? She's way... Uh, maybe uh, I didn't get along with my sister as much, but my sister wouldn't be like walking in the bathroom when I'm naked to to toss my superhero costume at me and stuff like that. I don't know. A... I got along just fine with my sister. We've always gotten along really, really well. She's never walked in the bathroom don't, with me. Don't have to and... see each other naked. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no reason. That's usually how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, who wrote this one? Roger Stern. Maybe Roger Stern's got a little bit of a weird, rela- weird, weird familial relationship of some sort. Weird, inappropriate relationship <laughs> that he thinks that we're all like that. I thought it, it was it was very late eighties comics having her sing her police song. This this one also felt very Marvel to me. It it felt very John Byrne X Men. The art really reminded me of uh, Marv Wolfman, or not Marv Wolfman. I mean George Perez. Uh, I don't know. I don't really see George. I guess a little bit. I guess like, I could see a little bit in the faces. What really makes it what the one that the the page that really felt marvelly to me is right after you see the scientists and the 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 two hikers have found the body, and it says grassroots hero. And the like type font for grassroots hero looks very Marvel X Men Alpha Flighty. You know, yeah, it's... maybe a little bit of Alpha Flight there. Yeah, you know what? I I, I could see that a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure if like if the layouts don't look Perezian to me. It's, it's it's I guess the people maybe that. It was it was an enjoyable comic, I, I guess it was a good, good opening to it. It seemed it it reminded me a little of the movie Starman, in some ways. Maybe it was the like diner scene, where he goes into the into the diner. But um, yeah, it's just odd. It's completely different. Is now is this? Was the the other Starman that we were talking about? Was that a reimagining of this, or was that just a totally different thing altogether? My understanding, and I haven't read that, and I still haven't gotten to read it yet. But my understanding is it was a totally different thing, 
but that at some point along the way they tied them in together oh. and they and at some point or, or another they tied in all the different characters that have been named Starman and there's been several and that they gave them all like some sort of common history at some point so that you know to make them basically legacy heroes I I, I I do like the fact that that the uh, bank robbers are all wearing uh, like a uh, like scarves because there's nothing that's going to intimidate your uh, intended target more than uh, the scarf <laughs> you know the, the the wrapped scarf around your neck. <laughs> well, I understand sort of where they're going with this, but it's it's weird. There's just not anything really really knew about it you know what i mean his his and it's it's taking place in the established dc universe because they're you know there's people mentoring green lantern and stuff in it i wonder if there's a little bit of trying to uh to capitalize on some of what was making wolverine so popular yeah yeah that's what but, I, th- there's a lot of the mutanty and he but sort of looks I'm like one of the point of view that he got the, he got these powers. He doesn't even know how he got them, why he got them, where he got them from. You know, the, almost you know he's he's the superhero who doesn't know why he's a superhero. Yeah, and it looks like he's going. It looks like they're setting it up that he's going to be pursued by his creators too. And, and yeah, the creators who he doesn't even know exist. But at the same time, they're sort of they're sort of playing the. He's kind of he's not a true boy scout. He's pretty boy scout though. He's, Except for the whole inappropriate relationship with the sister. Right, but you know, there's been inappropriate stuff happens in the Boy Scouts too. <laughs> yeah, too much of that. Yeah, and and you know, if this was if this was made twenty years after this was if this was written twenty years later, this whole story would have been like five comics with a lot of in between of him agonizing over what he's gonna do with his powers and stuff. But I like this time period where basically his sister's like, hey, you're a superhero. You should be a superhero. And he goes, ah, I don't know. Okay. You know, I like I like that. That actually, to me, is a little more in tune with reality, you know, in a lot of ways. I, mm. I Superheroes have been around for so long in superhero continuity and in real life continuity that when someone turns into a super, like if we were grant, if you and I were granted superpowers, it wouldn't be like, oh my god, what do blah, 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 blah. we figure out how to what to do with them pretty quickly? <laughs> we'd I'd already be on have the, a I'd whole. Be on the Tonight Show. Yeah, we'd have a whole belt, you know, a whole bunch of ideas under our belt to as to what to do with superpowers. As to, would anybody who got them, you know, even if it wasn't a comic book nerd. Or a nerd of any kind, they'd still know enough to be like, I'm going to fly around and I can bend robbers' guns back, you know, or or whatever, or go into supervillainry, whichever one their psyche <laughs> goes to. There, there aren't that many people who, who went the Spider-Man route, though. Which is, you know, before before Uncle Ben died, where, okay, I have my superpowers. I'm not going to become a supervillain, but I'm not going to become a superhero either. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to exploit gonna the I'm going to go on the Tonight Show, I'm going to go in the wrestling ring, and I'm going to, you know, try and make some bucks. Which seems to be, you know, what would be the more common approach. 
But I guess wasn't there yeah. a superhero who became a wrestler for a while? Was didn't the thing become I think a wrestler? Wonder, I think I think there was a thing where the thing had, and I think Wonder Man might have. I'm not sure about Wonder Man now that you mentioned it. Though. Yeah, it might have just been the thing. The thing definitely became some sort of intergalactic wrestler. <laughs> See, I think that's awesome. <laughs> I think that's more closer to reality too. <laughs> Yeah, well, for all we know, Chris Angel's a superhero. There you go. <laughs> and he went the P- Peter Parker route. I, I think this comic does it, it's, it, it does kind of an awkward job of explaining his powers. It like, there's the point where he's like, "Oh, my face is kind of plasticky and stuff," and then all of a sudden he's changing his hair color and getting rid of his tan and stuff. They just sort of throw a million things out there. Yeah, they really do. I once. mean, it's it's dense. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. For a, uh, what is that, I guess a 26-page story? Or maybe not even that. And there's the absurdity of someone with superpowers, like, looking for a day job. I guess they're trying, you know, it sort of goes back to the to the Spider-Man thing with the Peter Parker, like, oh, uh, your mom still thinks you're, well, not that his mom thought he was a bum, but, you know, the, the problems of being a young person at home and stuff. But it just doesn't seem to vibe that much in this comic, like Peter Parker, you know, they just sort of, it, 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 too much stuff happens too fast in this. I think. Well, you, you you never really get a feel for the personality of no. the uh, hero. He's just kind of generic and bland, and and you know you you hope that they develop him as the series goes on a little bit. I'm I'm very I'm very surprised that they had him remember who he was and you know where he lived and all that so quickly. I would have kept it a mystery a little longer. So I would have set up more. I, I geez, there's. You could have teased this along for two or three episodes or issues, you know. Well, now, if this book came out now, you know they would. They would now, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but altogether, not the worst superhero book I've read for Get Chris to Read a Superhero comic, but... I know I do seem to remember that when we did this on Back to the Bins, my inclination was to pick up the next issue and read it. I just never have gotten around to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I just uh, I have too much other stuff to read to to pursue this further. But yeah, if I had four or five issues laying in front of me, I'd probably wouldn't wouldn't be opposed to seeing where where it was going. His costume's kind of cheesy looking, purple and yellow. I don't know if that's the best combination of colors on on a costume, but what do I know? His sister's a little weird, anyway. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I'm, I'm Scott also texted me about uh calling in. Oh. So I'm just trying to find out if if he's available. I'm I'm interrupting every, the whole flow of this cuz I just wanted to see before we Well, that's wrap okay. We're up, almost on the way probably, out. Yeah. Let's <laughs> wrap it up. So if if he's available now, we'd have to get him on now cuz otherwise it's going to be <laughs> you know, sorry Scott, we're, we're done already. <laughs> You snooze, you lose. Well, at least we have. Well, a I'm leaving all. I'm leaving all this in. 
Does well, he want me to call him on his cell? I can pop his cell phone right up on on the air. I know everybody. You want, you want to try and well, he, he all he said is you know you want me to call in on my ride home, but I have no idea what time his ride home is. Oh, that's I don't I, I wouldn't I'd call, but I don't want to call him if he's actually working. Oh no, I imagine he would. Uh, I am us of in some way. It says he's online. That's his iPad. But that's you know, his iPad. That, that may have a constant connection if it's turned on. You know? Well, I could always just call him just for the just for the hell of it and for the for well, the entertainment of the Here's, here's the question. If he actually is working right now and his phone rings, will, will he, he have it on will he have it on vibrate and just ignore it because he's working or will it be like it's ringing and embarrassing him? Let's find out. <laughs> hey, your your call. It is my call, literally. Literally. One ringy dingy. Now we're turning into like a prank call show. Yeah, we should have some sort of. Uh... Yes, Mr. Gardner, you have won. Think of my funny voices. What funny voices do I have? He ain't answering the phone. Hello? Hello, Sal's Pizzeria. <laughs> Are you at work? No, I'm not. I'm in bed. Oh. Um, oh. <laughs> well, you know, so we totally missed a window of opportunity then. We're just wrapping up Comics Monthly Monday. <laughs> we thought All we'd right. give you a call. Uh, uh. All right. <laughs> Well, thanks for calling. Hey, I, I have a question for you. <laughs> do you what? Do you, do you have Prince Albert in a can? He's got Prince Albert uh, in his can. Hey, is, is your refrigerator running? All right, I'll talk to you later. All right. All right, All right I think folks, that's, I think that's where we're going out. <laughs> well, that went better than I... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't anticipate that. I Sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you 
will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our brand new website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Join our forum at ForumForGeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find 2TrueFreaks on Facebook. Just search for 2TrueFreaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook, too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.